1: Across the UK, online and on DAB. <laughs> badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio.
2: Fembot can go to hell.
1: Topical talk, outspoken opinion and inspirational conversation on the Hour of Badass Power.
2: Underwear, armpit hair, many imitators but no one compares.
1: Minsa, Campbell and Sexton are your all new Saturday night super squad. Badass Women's Hour on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking.
3: One, two,
0: three.
4: Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-host Emma Sexton Natalie Campbell and we'll be with you for the next hour discussing things in the news, talking about racism in the UK and introducing you to some amazing women that you need to know more about. Um, But first off we're going to do our little news review and big story for this week, 20 years since the death of Princess Diana. I didn't think I was going to feel as interested, to be honest, or as attached to this as I did. But one of the things that really has occurred to me and that I've seen a lot of is how that outpouring of grief in 1997 seems to have translated into how we address emotions today and talk about them today. And so I'm wondering, ladies, what do you think? Was Diana's death responsible for how we process our emotions in today's 2017 society?
2: Uh, Uh, Personally, I don't think so because it was like 20 years ago but I do think she was a really important and influential role model for somebody who was... Empathetic, who was somebody who clearly had some emotional intelligence, I know. And if you watched a recent documentary, and I and I remember at the time this this happening when the AIDS outbreak happened about HIV, and you know people, it was literally it was awful. It was like people were so uneducated about it, so it was almost treating these people like they were just completely contagious human beings. And for her to go into the hospital and she shook hands with a with an AIDS patient or an HIV patient, and that completely changed the perception of that disease um, and I think she's been instrumental for really getting people to to change the way she thinks I don't think she started the trend for what we have now which is a lot more people being vulnerable and open but I definitely think she's been a role model and ambassador it, also in an establishment that traditionally has mm. been don't show any emotions stiff up a lip and we still have that with like politics you know you only got to look at Grenfell for the lack of empathy and being okay with emotion.
5: I agree. I think she was a good public role model for um, being vulnerable, for showing compassion to people that, um, you know, didn't have public profile and access to wealth and all of these other things. I don't know if she started the trend, but I think, you know, over a period of time, things move on. And if it wasn't for people like her, would we have the the situation that we have now but i still think there's a gap in terms of the establishment not showing their feelings and emotion which is why i really enjoyed the series of documentaries that the princes made just sharing how they feel now as adults looking back on their mother's life and 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 her legacy
4: i think that was the thing that was so interesting to me was you when she um many years ago she did the famous interview on itv and she talked about having bulimia and that was considered hugely shocking because we just didn't talk about eating disorders. It was something that happened definitely behind closed doors and really, really wasn't discussed. And here we are 20 years later and we had Prince Harry talking about actually his mental health and going to therapy and getting to a point where people were saying to him, no, you need to go see someone about this. And he did it. And I feel like that, um, that legacy that she passed on to them as her children about being able to say, actually, it's okay to not just talk about it, but to take a risk and talk about it In a really public forum, has allowed lots of the rest of us to whether that's talking about our mental health on Instagram or whether it's about talking about things we've suffered as children. Or you know, we're all quite open about the fact that at some point we went to therapy. It changed the discussion
5: on what was and wasn't
4: acceptable.
5: Yeah, I, I I do hope though that more public figures, and when I say public figures, I mean people within more on the politics side, less on the media personality side. I wish that they took this to heart and they remembered that they're human beings first and their inability to say sorry or I'm hurt or I'm unwell and continue to to do things like machines, it's just unhealthy. And no one... I don't think anyone expects that anymore. And it, it annoys me when people do put up this front this machine like front of, of perfection but that's british
2: culture isn't it i it just feel the like the stiff, stiff upper, upper lip, lip and you know yes like that is just traditional english culture that i kind of hate really i
5: just think but i don't know how sustainable it is based on what people expect and like, i think it's easier to attack someone that puts that stiff upper lip closed um, mentality forward uh, as opposed to someone that's like well yeah this this happened i messed up i agree but i think it's really interesting that we you know it should be i think it should be easier to attack
4: somebody who's like nope stiff up a lip, not talking about anything mm. but actually i think for, particularly for politicians what they're so fearful of is if they say do you know what that was a mistake i got it wrong they will say well clearly you're no good at your job get out and we do that we take people on the first attempt yeah. and we don't let them say actually I'm going to try this again because you know what? I learned something from that and it wasn't the best way I could do it. Let me but try again. But that's because Emma. I think
2: politicians, they I think when you put on the front that you know what you're doing and you think you have all the answers and then people believe in you because they think that that is right and then you turn around and you clearly mess it up because you didn't or you, like, I think then you deserve to be berated. I think Agreed. if you go, it's even with Brexit, you know, somebody just come out and go, do you know what? We don't know. But we're going to do our best. Our best is we think these are the
5: things like I don't it's just it takes one. It just takes one. And it takes the media to respond differently to that person for things to change. And I think a millennial generation and and the generation that's growing up on social media with more openness and more. I did this and I'm not perfect. I'm not here. I'm not a machine. I think you'll start to see a different conversation between the two. Interesting.
4: Okay. What do you think this is? Do you think we are going to have a different conversation? Do you think politicians need to have a bit of the Princess Diana effect? Do we need that empathy through our politics as well as through our media personalities and our royal family? Do tell us, tweet us at Badass Women's Hour, HR at Badass Women's Hour. Uh, Emma, what's the
2: story that you're interested in this week? Well, this is a very interesting story to do with tech. It's about two uh, women entrepreneurs who created a fake male co-founder to dodge startup sexism. I think these two women are geniuses. I don't know if you're aware <laughs> of, there's a lot of conversation um, Uh, in the startup world around uh, the discrimination especially that women get in startups especially when they're going for funding there's been an awful lot of articles in the press and things like that if you're interested in business and entrepreneurship and these two women had the same thing so they had a a start-up website which is a bit of a, like an edgy Etsy but they found you know selling like art based stuff um, through you know lots of different kind of designers and makers but they weren't really being taken seriously as a business so they created a fake male co-founder because they were just getting really frustrated with the correspondence like some people would take days to get back to them or just be a bit like hi girls like when they reply to them so like right so they created this this guy I think his name was Keith Lunn <laughs> and they said it was amazing in the change in the way the, like the correspondence was and how they got things done. And I think they're geniuses because they they've clearly worked that out and gone, you know what, nothing's going to get in our way. But this is not the first time we've covered a story like this. Remember a few right. months ago, there was the woman who her colleague took over the emails mm-hmm. or something and she was using his email address. I remember that. So it was a few months ago and
4: a, a male colleague realised that his female colleague was being treated in a completely different manner mm-hmm. on email. So he just changed his name and saw what it was like to be a woman and saw the responses that he got for a few weeks. Nat, have you ever had that moment in business where you're like, it's just going to be either if I'm just a man. I'm just going to change my name. I'm going to set up a fake email account. I'm going to pretend that my partner isn't here at
5: the moment, but he'll be back shortly. So it's not something that I've done and it's not something that I've considered. I'm I'm thinking about it now. I'm like (laughs) Dave at a very good company (laughs) or John, you know, one of those names. But I have suggested it to others and not just men, but also not just women, sorry, but also to men. So I was um, mentoring a young uh, startup to black men. And I said, you know what? Go and get yourself a white co-founder and he should be male. Send him into meetings because you just get further. And I was being really honest about it. You know, I don't have, you don't have time to sit here and work out how the system works and play all of these games. Just get a guy that's, that fits the picture. And there might be some people out there saying, no, that's terrible. But it's a balance isn't it you sometimes you just have to get on with things and especially in a fast-paced startup world tech startup world i get why they did it because they just needed to get on you can't fight every single fight you can't fight every single battle and if they've got to a point and now they're saying actually we set up a a fake email address it's probably because they've got all the things done that they needed to and now they can share the story because that's
2: it because you're in a one way you're perpetuating what's always gone so it's like how do you play the system and make it work and I kind of like like you say what they've done where they're now putting it out as a news piece and then it becomes a discussion point and raises some awareness but yeah it's hard isn't it because you don't want to perpetuate the the brokenness of, of things but at the same time like you know play the game a girl's
5: gotta do what a girl's gotta do a woman's got to do what a woman's got to do a boss yeah
4: (laughs) (laughs) so our final story this week is about l'oreal and a campaign they're running at the moment now what is it i'm angry (laughs) just just
5: just 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 starting there so l'oreal launched a campaign this week a hashtag we're all worth it featuring a number of models um, from a variety of backgrounds, from Katie Piper through to Cheryl Cole. But it was really about them um, releasing a range of, of different foundations and shades from, um, I think there's a, a, a pale skinned red headed woman through to uh, a, a darker skin tone woman. And this is their sort of you know, play on their claim on diversity. We create shades for everyone it's very hard to get makeup shades in, in, in all in all colours. So I, I give them a tick for that. One of the models um is was Monroe Bergdoff. We've met Monroe. Um she is a trans activist and she was dropped from the campaign. She's a black trans She's, activist she, yeah. we should say yeah. Yeah she's a black woman and she was dropped for the cap from the campaign after it emerged that she wrote a Facebook post about Charlottesville highlighting racism and within the, the the post she highlights that white people are racist because of the way society is structured L'Oreal as a result dropped her and I'm angry on her behalf because if you Bring someone on board onto your campaign because they're authentic, because they're an activist, because they run against a wall and break down barriers every single day. And then you say, oh, you said something that fundamentally was highlighting that people are racist. It was after the aftermath of Charlottesville. Then you drop them. That, to me, says you are not authentic in your message. You, di- you, don't- you are not standing up for diversity because as soon as someone says the exact thing that you're supposed to be championing, you're like, oh, no, 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 no. And I think, so we saw her response
4: on uh, Facebook, on social media, and she said, you know, actually, if they're a brand that can't really back her, like, yeah. that's not diversity. That's not diversity if you can't actually be open and say, do you know what, sometimes letting other people into the conversation means listening to what they have to say and yep. accepting that some of it might be new to you and you might not like it. Because mm-hmm. what she's really saying is ultimately, you know, as a society, we are geared up to profit. As she puts it profit off the back of slavery, profit off the back of um, colonialism and every white person in this country has in some way benefited from it which is a fact it's a fact and it's the same way that society allows men to benefit from kind of underlying sexism it's the same way it treats teaches women to be more
2: submissive to be quieter and we need to talk about that
4: otherwise it doesn't go away Yeah, I think they've Uh just
2: well they've just jumped on the headline of all white people are racist and she's absolutely right and there will be there will be a million or more white people that will get massively on the defence of that going I'm not racist I'm not racist and you know I think that's probably what's happened with L'Oreal is they've gone oh you know no like and you know we are we can't help it because everything that she's saying is absolutely right and if you're a white person and disagree with her then I think you really have to challenge your assumptions
5: I just want to say something really quickly to Monroe if you're listening Do you know, this will be the start of something new. Mac, pick up Monroe. You've always been backing us. Pick up Monroe. (laughs) Get her on a campaign. So
4: we're going to be carrying on this discussion with our guest, who is Faluki Akinlose MBE, founder of the Precious Awards, which actually celebrates black women. Has been doing so since 1999. So we're going to be talking about this and much more with her coming up in our next segment.
1: Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. On Talk Radio. She'll get you talking.
4: Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour, three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster in a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co hosts Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton and this week we are also joined by the fabulous Faluke Akinlosa. Uh, founder of the Precious Awards and Precious Magazine, the first digital magazine for women of colour, is that right? That's right, yeah. Yeah, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you,
6: (laughs) great to be here.
4: (laughs) So tell us a little bit about the Precious Awards and the magazine and how and why you came to found them.
6: Um, Okay, so I launched the Precious Magazine in 1999 because when I was little I used to love magazines like um, Jackie, Just 17 give my age away a little bit here um <laughs> yeah. but I just love them but there's never many women or old oh, girls that look anything like me inside yeah. those magazines so I thought okay when I get older I'm gonna launch my own magazine I mean... um and that's basically what I did I used to work at ITN um for a while and I saw lots of magazines for women of color in the United States so I thought okay I could do something here um that's what I did
4: and what was it like when you started it what was the response like how did you get it going
6: Response was a bit muted from the wider community. Lots of people were saying, "Why do you need a magazine for women of color? Why do you have to be separate?" Um, and because I taught myself how to build the website, on, you know, my, on my own, a lot of my tech friends were saying, "Well, you can't do that. You're a woman. You can't code." Blah blah blah. blah. Um, so it's basically, it was a bit of a, like, you know, sod you. I can do this. I'm, I'm going to do it without you, or you know, whatever. So I, I just did it. plowed on.
5: And so when was this?
6: So that was in 1998.
5: So this was well ahead of the curve. This was before tech was even fashionable, before entrepreneurship was even fashionable, before doing your own thing in terms of content was fashionable. Before Wi-Fi. Before.
6: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> was this oh, is
5: dial-up. Oh, yeah, dial-up Oh, dial-up. Woo. Okay. So, so you've, been, you've been you've been doing this hustle for a while. yes Um. What has changed? Has anything changed?
6: Hmm. I think things are. St- changing slowly in terms of the magazine i think there's lots of different magazines now for women of color which is brilliant and they're a lot more sassier than we were when we first started which i really really love um so but in terms of um media for women of color in general i think it's still quite stilted mm. in a way there's not a lot about and i think a lot of that's to do with um advertising revenue lots of you know big corporates and don't want to advertise with magazines that target talk, talk women like me you know women of color so that's a real issue.
4: So we were talking before this about uh, L'Oreal mm. and the um, story today that one of their, so they've launched a new campaign which is around diversity mm. and they had uh, Monroe Bergdorf who is a black trans woman as part of the campaign who spoke out about, against racism, particularly in Charlottesville and they've subsequently fired her from it. Do you, brands like that—is it? Are they just scared? Do they not get the market? Are they just not bothered? Why can't they get involved? I just
6: think they are. There, I think they're quite nervous. They, they're scared to talk about race. Basically, they talk about women. Yeah, you know, in general, but when it comes to race, they get really nervous. I don't really know why. They should ask questions, talk to people. It's really, really easy.
5: I was reading something the other day, and it was it was highlighting um, how brands react when women do things. So you know. A, a, member of the TOWIE cast can punch someone in a club and go absolutely crazy mm-hmm. and smash up a venue and she'll still be backed by a brand. Yes. Monroe wrote something based on a real event that was happening in the world within Sh- in Charlottesville mm. and she got dropped overnight. And there seems to be a double standard and a standard that black women are held to um which doesn't it which isn't necessarily the same for everyone else. Yeah, and I, f- I was reading it and I, I was nodding. I was like, yeah and, then, and
2: let's not forget Cheryl Cole is in that ad campaign. <laughs> yeah. and did she not get prosecuted <laughs> yeah. for yeah. punching a black woman? Yeah. So yeah, like what you set that double standard, it's just it's just disgusting really.
5: So where do you go from here? Because you've got the awards that mm. celebrates women of color, but it, it celebrates <clears throat> women in general. Mm. So given where we're where, where we are, where do you, where do you go with the awards? What what messaging are you putting out there? Because it's coming up soon, right?
6: It's coming up in three weeks' time, actually, 20 oh, first not of long. September. I hope you guys I will do. all be there. Yeah. Yeah. <clears> I would love to. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, for me, it's really about the future in terms of. Uh, you know, I have my nieces with me in the studio today, so. Um, the the pressures of wars and pressures in general is all about them really because when I was their age there was there were no role models women to look up to looked anything like me that I could aspire to be um, do you think
4: the next generation of young women of colour do they see the world differently are they because you talked about how kind of the magazines that have launched more recently are sassier mm. they've got more attitude do you see that within that generation as a whole or have we still got this societal thing about working within the system, knowing your place, getting on with it?
6: Oh god, no. I think they I think especially my nieces are twelve and fourteen and they, they get it. I love that. Uh, they're going after what they want already, they've yeah. got plans, you know. Good. And they're not afraid to speak out, which is really important. When I was at age, I was really nervous, and quite timid about yeah, you know, speaking my truth, my voice. Mm. Um but they're a lot more competent about, about being able to.
4: How did you get to a place where you felt you could speak that truth? When did that happen for you?
6: I think it's still happening in a way um, I was going to really say do. still on the journey right yeah absolutely yeah. it's, it's kind of thing doing you know interviews and things is my idea of hell to be fair <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I and mean, you're all lovely you're all great but, um, so I, I just try to think of it as what I'm trying to you know the, the bigger picture it's not really about yeah. me it's about the this platform women of colour yeah. um, for them to have a voice you know for our achievements to be amplified so it's not it's just not about me it's about the whole um, vehicle precious.
2: And through the the awards, the awards have been going a while now Yeah it's our
6: like 11th year now.
2: Yeah and how, how have the categories changed? Have they have the categories changed over the 11 years? Have you seen any new emerging things that you're now rewarding now or have they pretty much stayed consistent?
6: No we have a category for women in STEM which we didn't have about four years ago it's quite new um, because there's lots of women doing great things in STEM that you know we need to hear about. Yep. Um, and also we had Category, I was a bit reluctant to bring into the mix with the Women Best Outstanding Women in Sport category Mm -hmm. because the whole thing about Precious is that it's not just about applauding women who are dancing or running, the kind of usual, stereotypical things that you know black people are supposed to do. Right. Um, But there's so many great women in sport, not just on the track or field, but behind the scenes, and I really want to celebrate those women as well.
4: It's great. (laughs) And what do you think are going to be the next steps for you and for Precious? What else do you, where else do you want to take it?
6: Well, we do a thing called Precious Girls as well, where we applaud, you know, young girls' achievement. I really want to take that global, if possible, um, not to have it as a London thing. And also get out to the regions as well. I'm from Manchester, and my big thing is getting women from outside of London to, you know, join in with this. Yeah. Um, it's hard to get them to connect and, you know, come up to London, come up north. I mean, come up <laughs> yeah. south. Like girl, do you know what I mean, so I really want to get out to the regions, get more women involved um, and take it global, We you know, go to Nigeria, yeah. Go to New York, maybe Caribbean.
4: Do you think uh, for women, for Black women in the UK, is is it different to say the US or to Europe? Is it is a different experience? Can we kind of align the two, or do we have to say actually this is the experience within the UK, is the experience within the US, and look at the differences?
6: Um, I think it's really different, especially the United States of America. Yeah. I mean, the the population is obviously bigger. Yeah. Um, And I think they have access to more opportunities. I think the racism could be a bit more hidden, I think, sometimes. We're here or there. There. I think sometimes it's not really apparent, especially in corporate world, I don't think. Talking to to my friends over there. But I think in the UK, it's a lot more kind of blatant but sort of wrapped up in a different way I think
4: interesting mm. it wrapped up in a different way how
6: in terms of you know people some people say something racist um, but try to say in a sort of jokey banter sort of way okay. you know a lot of my friends are black sort of thing yeah Um, I think that happens more here than it does in the US to be fair I
5: think they're That's more conscious they're conscious of race because of their history mm. and they you know slavery uh, is, is embedded within within their that within their society mm. whereas the the experience of of culture specifically black people in the UK is different given that we came over in a different time and you, the commonwealth and all of these other things um i'm intre- what are the barriers that you're facing now are you still facing barriers in terms of in terms of advertisers coming on board and backing you um how do you get that spread and reach do you have challenges getting corporates to 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 get on board and part with their money because I have friends that do similar things Mm. and when they're talking specifically about young black women corporates aren't on board and they make Mm. it more general and say young girls and then corporates like okay we'll give you some money Mm. but people are scared of of the race element
6: but do people are still scared to talk about race I don't we don't understand why it's really strange um but
5: how how so, well, so what in does terms it mean of, for you as, a, as a business as a business person
6: yeah. um it's it's really hard I mean we're in our eleventh year now, and it's still a struggle for us to get sponsorship mm-hmm. um, from corporates um because they're not used to seeing women of colour in business they're just not used to that whole you know idea of us being successful in a different way mm-hmm. um so it's a it's a challenge and it's really i know I look at other awards similar awards to us that are not run by women of colour, and they don't have those same challenges at all, so it's frustrating.
4: What would you like to see change in the next ten years?
6: Ten years. Mm-hmm. Two, um, two years. Two years. <laughs> two, months. <now. laughs> two months. No one's got ten years to wait. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I think maybe it'd be great if maybe Precious wasn't really needed in a way um, that we could. Assume.
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot.
6: not because it was a lack of, you know, role models yep. being, you know, visible, just because it was, you know, it was just a celebration. Um, yeah, that would be amazing.
4: Do you think, so women-only awards sometimes get like, well, why do you have a women-only award? Or, do you get a lot of, why do you have a black women-only award? Oh, God, <laughs> yeah. And you just rolled your eyes brilliantly,
6: which <laughs> yeah. I loved. It, it was like, <laughs> oh, God. We I mean, do, I do. I also get, why is it for women of colour? Why is it just for yeah. black women? You know, because you're a black person, why can't you celebrate black people, black women? And it's like, well... <laughs> It's a reflection of my um, of what surrounds me. I want to elevate women of color. All yeah. you know, all of us in all our hues and shades yeah. and experiences. I think it's together we're stronger. So,
4: do you think it's about creating role models? Is that ultimately what you're trying to
6: do? Yeah, I think the role model tag is a really heavy one to to mm-hmm. handle. <laughs> yeah. I know when people call me role model, I get a bit like, oh, really? Do you feel that um, pressure? Yeah, a lot. I do. A lot of pressure. Do you? I just um, think
2: role models are so important, though. Right? They are. I remember, like, years ago, somebody... What was it? It was a misrepresentate- representation film, which is about women in the media. That's Someone said on there, women. you can't be what you can't see. Mm. And, I ju- and the more... I, I just see that happening all the time. Mm. And I think we can't underestimate... I don't necessarily think that role model means you've got to be, like, the most... Um, I don't know. Perfect person. Perfect person. Mm. No, you've just got to be somebody that somebody can identify with. Yeah. I think that's so important.
6: It really is. It really, really is.
2: Well, Flicky
4: is going to stay with us and be an amazing role model for the next few <laughs> <Yeah>. minutes <laughs> because she's going to be answering all your problems with our badass bulls ups We're going to be talking relationships. We're going to be talking what happens when the guy you're managing is being paid more than you. How is that possible? <laughs> um, and should you tell your partner they're getting a bit fat? Oh, stay God. tuned for that.
1: Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. On Talk Radio. She'll get you talking.
4: Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. And this week we are also joined by Faluki Akinlosa, the founder of Precious Magazine and the Precious Awards. Thank you Faluki for staying with us. Ooh, it's been amazing. <laughs> um, and we are in the part of our show where we try and use our combined wisdom over 100 years experiences, <laughs> mistakes made, <laughs> lessons not learnt <laughs> to solve your problems. I've just actually horrified
5: Felicia <laughs> <tell> laugh.
4: <laughs> so we are going to be answering your
5: questions. And first up, Nat, what have you got? Uh, so the first question this comes from Sophie and she sent it on Facebook my partner has gained weight and I feel like the attraction has gone I tried talking to him and I know he's trying to shed a few kilos but I can't get my head around why after three years together a couple of love handles make me question our relationship am I shallow for caring Mm
4: -hmm. (laughs) Emma would you ever ditch someone because they've eaten a few too many pies do you know what? I don't
2: know why, but I've never dated particularly like, I've 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 dated some diverse body shapes. Should we put that? <laughs> and I, so I think that actually I wouldn't I wouldn't have an issue with somebody putting on some weight. But what I would be more concerned about is what like what's driven that weight gain. Like if somebody puts in a on a lot of weight in a short amount of time, you have to go. Well, hang on a minute. Something's Something's up here. Yeah. So for me, I'm less worried about the aesthetics. I'm more I'm more concerned about what's the underlying driver. I mean, you know, if you've been together like 10 years and they're clearly two stone heavier than they were when you met them 10 years ago, well, you know, that's... That's life. age, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. They're a bit podgy as we get older. Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so Leaky, would you would you kind of ditch and dash somebody? <laughs> would you ditch and dash? Ditch and dash. dash. <laughs> that's, I don't that's
6: I love that. you a T-shirt. Ditch from. and dash. I love that. <laughs> um, would I... No, I don't think I would. I think I agree with Emma. There's
4: obviously How something you, going on. have the conversation with them? How would you open it up? Uh, pop some
6: keep it videos on the telly.
2: <laughs> Take away all the food. Do you know what I mean?
6: Go to, a I don't know, a vegan restaurant and eat helpfully. Um <laughs> I would try and do it as something, say some. we could do something, you know, keep it together. Yeah. Um, at run in or... Sex or I don't know. Yeah.
4: Sex so spends calories, people. Yeah, it does. Although I was reading a horrifying article this week about men who wear their Fitbit in bed. Don't do that. You are oh, no. don't do that. Nobody needs to know. Um, but I think, I, I think it is. You know, you've got to have a conversation with somebody. But I th- there's, it's really hard when somebody says to you, "Oh, you know, you've put on a bit." And it yeah. Feels very judgy. And I think mm. if she's in this place where she's like, mm, "Well, you've put on a few kilos. You're no longer perfect. I'm not sure I want to be with you." I, is that the biggest deal breaker you could have That's a relationship? It. It's still the same
6: person, isn't it? Exactly. So, it it's not that much, left. really.
4: Now, would you keep them or would you? you know, <laughs> that, that wouldn't. That's like it's down to a four pack. You're out of the
5: door. <laughs> so uh, I am very honest in my love for a good, uh, for a good torso and a six pack. So if the six pack's gone and the one pack ain't even there, I'd be like, babe, we need to go to the gym. But I make it an us thing. Let's do yes. this together because i want you to be healthy and i want you to be around for a long time and you know whatever's going on here with this weight gain we need we need to work it out i'm keeping myself in shape i expect you to do the same thing personally i just know but isn't that just really so this makes me really really sad
4: because i so i come from a family of family of women who have never been small and who have got larger as they get older and i think what if i meet someone and we have this wonderful life together and i love them dearly but 10 years down the line my metabolism has slowed to the rate of a kind of very fat snail and i do put on some weight and they go actually you've got to do something about and for the best will i am never going to be thin and i'm probably never going to be as thin as i am right now in 10 years time 20 years time and I've learned to love that. That's okay. Okay, I'm, I'm going okay to just that.
5: put a caveat around what I'm saying. This is within my own relationship. We know that I have warped views when it comes to my own relationship that don't apply to any other people, any other relationships. And all my love for my friends. I'm just, if if I was a guy, I'm being really honest about what I would do. And personally, I'd be like, babe, we need to sort this out. I'm not worried what? about that. I'm not worried about beer
2: bellies. I'm worried about beards. If I fall in love with a guy in a beard <laughs> and he shaves it yeah. off and I don't fancy yeah. him, that's my biggest Agreed. fear right now. There are certain <laughs> things, that, yeah.
5: I, I, seriously, if like, there are certain guys that if they cut their hair or they they have a beard and they don't have a beard, it just changes who they are. I'm no, in, in the I'm also going to say, I think place. if you're for this particular
4: woman I kind of think if you're putting that much pressure on him how much pressure are you putting on yourself
5: Ooh, hmm. interesting right yes. because
4: generally our views on other people mirror our
5: views about well, awesome. ourselves very as well did you know I said we just as for that I said we, yeah. we, we we will be going to the gym <laughs> not just you we
4: absolutely but I'm saying that's a lot of pressure to put on yourself right it's a lot of pressure to put on ourselves a lot of pressure to put on the per- person you're with and absolutely I'm completely like if you think that there is something else going on that has caused this weight gain, whether that's health or mental, whatever, address it. But also, if you're putting that much pressure on the person you love, you probably need to be a bit kinder to yourself as well. That's why advice,
2: think. H, good Ooh. advice. Or you can just it's go the so wise, to the gym so wise, and get <laughs> Or you can get one of those bronzers and just like style it. Yeah. Tell her to get, tell Contouring. her to get him one of those, a contour Contouring. kit from Kim Kardashian. <laughs> <laughs> Emma, what is your problem this week? I have no idea. I can't remember. <laughs> um, oh, this is yeah, this is a good one. <laughs> so. This is from Radha. She's talking she's basically got this guy she dated well over a year ago and they only dated for about four months, not a very long time. And basically like every six weeks or so he keeps checking in on her and going, Oh hi, we should totally catch up and she's just like, How do I politely get rid of him? Like how do I how do you just get an ex to go away when they keep like bugging you to meet up and hang out and how are you and checking in. Any you, of you experienced that? Yeah. Oh, wow. You block them. Yeah. Yeah, Faluki, would you block? You? Yeah. yeah. I'm a bit like, I don't, I wouldn't want to like be rude to a human being. Faluki,
4: so, would you tell them you're going to block them? Or do you just be like, no, we're done here? You
6: no, know, I just block them it, on every really... single platform, yeah. But it <laughs> depends. <laughs> <someone's>... Every platform. <laughs> every single, platform. single one. <laughs> but if someone's
2: checking in every couple of months, that's not
5: really harassment, is it? It's creepy. Is it?
6: What does he want?
5: Yeah, I... it is. It's quite weird. Is it? It's quite weird. So I'm going to have, so when we were first talking about this, I was like, you know, guy, get a life. And I realised that. There are one or two exes that periodically I send a message. I don't have the numbers. So, so like 1am on when a Friday we're, When night. we're done, I delete your number, but we're still connected on social. I will say, oh, do you fancy going for a drink in that moment? At two o'clock in, my, o'clock in the morning. In mm. my mind. No, in my mind, it's me testing whether or not, you know, I might like it if we went for a drink. And actually, realistically, in the last, I haven't actually been for a drink with any of them, it's in that moment. So I'm that weird person on the other
6: side, I've just realised. Why but do I you do like it? Why do you do it though? Why do you do it?
5: Because it's the kind of there was nothing wrong with you. Mm-hmm. It, this wasn't bad. So let me just see if, like, my, it could be okay. F-
2: my friend Kelly always calls her exes microwave meals, and if she texts them, oh, she'd oh, be yeah. like, I'm just going to reheat that thing right back up. Maybe he's after a microwave meal. He's after a microwave meal. But also, like,
4: just block, block, block,
2: block. Yeah.
4: I I mean, I just delete the numbers and block. You can't get over them when they're still in your phone book. Uh, So the problem I've got this week, I've slightly lost control. It's fine. Um, So this is from Sheena, uh, Kim via Facebook. She says, I've just been promoted and I've discovered that one of the men I'm now managing is actually being paid more than me, even with my new salary. What do I do about it? (gasps)
2: And that's shocking. Oh, that's really absolutely shocking. That's a tricky one though,
4: isn't it? Is Faluca, it would you take it up with your boss?
6: I'd have to and talk to my union as well. Yeah. Absolutely. First thing I would do is go to my union and yeah. find a way to sort it out. Yeah. Yeah. That's not happening. It's not on,
5: is it? No. That- See, I've got a biggie tune in my in my head and he it starts kicking the door. So me, I would be walking up to the manager's door and I would be kicking in the door and being like Hello. (laughs) See this information here? Bob is earning X amount more than me. How are we going to resolve this in the next five minutes? You have five, four, three, two, one. End of. I just, I'm like, in, in the world that we're in now, you have so much evidence to go in, kick in the door and say this is not good enough, especially if you're managing someone. That is earning more than you and you're training them. And it is fundamentally mm. because you're a woman.
2: Ha, ha, but that, I've got no. to say, I, I love that. That is mega, mega, mega off the scale badass. Mm. But, I don't think that when I was employed, I would have had the, the badassness to do that. So, but I told I did. I
5: was 21 and I did. Yeah, but I was you on 21,000. Like was an incredible 000. badass. There was a guy sitting next to me doing the same job. I knew our salaries because we were recruited at the same time. And I went to my boss and I said, he's being paid more. We do the same job. She said, quite right. She walked off to the CEO. She came back. She gave me a letter. My salary was the same. Whoa. But how long did you last in that job? I was there. That was one of my first proper jobs. I was there for two years. I did journalism no. and went back for two years. Because I think there is a long game point. So
4: I absolutely agree. You've got to take it up. This is not you're like you can't sit here and have somebody, particularly somebody you are managing, mm. being paid more than you. Never mind even doing the same job. Um. But I feel like you've got, to, you've got to think of the long game, right? And being in a corporation, that is a strategic game. You have to be strategic. And so if you go into your boss, yeah, they're going to fix your salary, but they're, they're going to remember that you went in with an attitude and they're going to hold it against you because you're a woman and that is what they do. But if you go in and say, actually, we've got a bigger problem here, we've got a problem where we need to look at everyone's salaries throughout the organisation, because if we don't, we are going to get pulled up at some point on sexual discrimination. At some point, we're going to have to be transparent about our pay gap. But first of all, the first thing you're going
5: to do is fix my salary. And yeah. that's, that's the uh, no, I say, sorry, put on some Rihanna. Ish, should better have my <laughs> money. Put on some Biggie. Psych yourself up. Walk in, kick in the door, get your money.
2: I I love the badassness of that, but I'm with H. In terms of what I know about influencing and persuading, when you make it not just all about you and you make it part of a... If you went in with that approach, it's going to work for your favour, but also everybody else in your organisation, and they are going to sit up and take more notice than they are if you just go in and have a run at them. Yeah. But I love the badass Like me I absolutely aspire to that level. I'm working
6: so hard. <laughs> so hard. And
4: there's never not a reason for a bit of Rihanna.
2: <laughs> so
4: coming up, we are gonna have our backdated badass, the woman from history that you absolutely need to know about. Um, but first of all, big thank you to Faluki for joining Woo! us. Thank you for having me. It was brilliant. <laughs> um and stay tuned to us with us to hear more about an amazing, incredible entertainer spy superstar black woman from history who we love
1: badass women's hour with harriet minter natalie campbell and emma sexton on talk radio she'll get you talking
4: Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour, three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Mint. I'm joined by my co-host Emma Sexton, Natalie Campbell, and we're here with you for the final part of our show where we talk about a woman from history you absolutely need to know about, our backdated badass. And our backdated badass this week is brought to us by Harriet Hall, head of digital features at Stylist Magazine and about to be the author of a book all about inspirational women from history, so exactly the right person for this. Harry, hi, how are you? Hello, good, thank you. So, who are you talking about today?
3: I'm going to talk about Josephine Baker. So, Josephine Baker is an absolutely incredible woman. I mean, there's just as if she didn't have, you know, a million strings to her bow. Unfortunately, she was one of those, you know, women of colour who seems to have been quite lost to history and should actually have been remembered among the great performers and activists of her time. So, she went from being homeless, to gaining international fame and then becoming a World War Two spy. And as if that wasn't enough, she then became a leading civil rights activist as well. So an amazing woman. <laughs> and how did she start off her career? So, yeah, I mean, as I mentioned, she really grew up in, in abject poverty. Her formative years were marked by abuse. Um, and when she was eight, she even dropped out of school uh, to support her family financially and then was homeless by the time she was a teenager. So what actually happened was she was, talent spotted at the age of 19 um, by a recruiter who was looking for performers for an all-black venue in Paris. Um, she was offered a £1,000 a week, and obviously, um, why wouldn't you accept that offer? She oh, went off to yes. Paris uh, became a performer.
4: And so she moved from the US to Paris just
3: at age 19? Yeah, so she was born in Missouri in 1906 and then 19, going from homeless to moving to Paris. Um, and when she was in Paris, she was performing. She, what she did, which is so interesting about her performances, is she really shrewdly used this stereotype of African-American woman to her advantage, performing what were then considered quite wild and exotic dances to these you know, majority white audiences in Paris who were just bowled over by what she was doing. They loved her.
4: And they loved her so much that she became the first woman of colour to star in a major motion picture. Is that right?
3: Yeah, exactly. She really was a massive celebrity. Her performances made her a real celebrity. And one of her most famous performances was in 1926. Um, It was at the Bergere in Paris. And she descended onto the stage wearing just a string of pearls, a chain bikini and a skirt made from 16 bananas (laughs) um, to perform a dance. Which, you know, in today's standards, if you think of some of the things that celebrities wear, celebrities wear, it's not actually that outrageous. But at the time, it was so crazy. It was so wild. And that gave her the nickname, the Black Pearl. And she became a massive celebrity, photographed everywhere. um, And she would wear these finger curls in her hair and a cloche hat. And she would walk around Paris with her pet cheetah in tow. So she was really quite fabulous.
5: (laughs) I absolutely love her. First of all, (laughs) because even though we're talking about a woman from history, I can see so many things that relate to now. So her her finger curls. We used to do them back in school. They're called kiss curls. But you know the pearls over her boobs. It, it, it's Rihanna and um, yeah, Ernest Hemingway called her the most sensational woman uh, anyone ever saw. And it's that thing of you know she was probably loved by men and women alike. And and there was a an, an lore about her. But she's also a polymath. I think we seem to cover a lot of women who do multiple things and they're not just entertainers, but they're also um, you know raising against the machine and, and, and championing um, diverse causes, and I, I just, I, I, I'm, I'm in love. I say this every week, but <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm really yeah. in love.
3: Exactly. So- I mean, what's so interesting about her is that her performance alone, like you say, have influenced people like Rihanna. Um, we even saw Prada in 2011 design a skirt with bananas on, obviously inspired by <laughs> Josephine Baker. But what she really did with her celebrity, as well as sort of delight and entertain people, was really use it to not just her advantage but to the advantage of her country and mm. um, her adopted country of France. So during World War II um, as a celebrity she was able to cross borders um, in a way that normal people wouldn't have been able to and she used it to her advantage. She smuggled secret messages and invisible ink on her sheet music and in her underwear so she became a member of the French resistance and um, wow. played a huge part in the war absolutely amazing and she was hugely decorated. She became the first American woman to win the Croix de Guerre um, in 1946 and the Medal of Resistance. After the war, when she travelled back to the US, um, obviously this was a time of the Jim Crow laws and segregation, and she experienced huge racism and was refused admissions to clubs and hotels. Um, And, you know, imagining after not only being a spy, but, you know, a huge celebrity going back to your country and being told you can't perform here because you're black... Um, which is terrifying.
5: consistent of the time. So James Baldwin, a brilliant writer, experienced exactly the same thing. And adopted Paris is his home. Maya Angelou, again, exactly the same thing. Mm. They found solace and, I guess, a, a sense of peace in in Europe because they were just, they were treated as as humans with talent, as opposed to being seen as black people and, and and not welcome, which is what happened in the U.S.
3: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think what's really interesting about her as well um, is like what you're saying that and. She she did get involved. She didn't just go back to the US, get rejected, and say, "Fine, I'm going back to France." She actually said, "No, I'm not standing for this." She was disgusted by segregation. She refused to play in segregated clubs, and that actually led her to being on the FBI watch list. Um, can you believe it? And yeah, you know, she, as you say, she joined the civil rights movement, spoke at rallies, and was even offered the position of leader, which is um, pretty remarkable. But you know, part of the reason that she did turn that down was was because of her children, the protection of her children, and I think that's another really interesting chapter of her life. Of it, you know, as if those three aren't interesting enough already. So she
4: actually adopted
3: lots of children, didn't she? That's right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you think of sort of Angelina Jolie and Madonna today, but it was Josephine <laughs> Baker who really went and adopted so many children and. You know quite controversially but i believe with sort of amazing intention she adopted 12 orphans from different nationalities yeah massive number um from finland to japan um and she wanted to prove with her this so-called rainbow tribe that she called her children Mm -hmm. that you know racial harmony could exist and and she wouldn't stand for it instead of sort of retreating and saying you know i'm not going to engage she said Look, here's my family. We can all live together in harmony, and uh, it was absolutely amazing. An incredible woman. She's incredible. an
4: incredible woman. Thank you so much for sharing her with us today, with us today, Harry. We absolutely love her, Josephine Baker, a total backdated badass. um Thank you for joining us, Harriet. It's Harriet Hall, D- digital features editor at Stylist magazine. um We're coming towards the end of our show now, but we. As always, like to leave you with a little something to think about in the coming week. A little badass principle to live your life by for the next seven days. Now, what is it
5: this week? The badass principle this week is feel it. Uh, and this was inspired um, by our conversation at the start of the show about empathy. And, you know, whatever it is that you feel, show it. Show it, share it. Be your authentic self. And if people that are hearing that message don't necessarily like it, then more fool them. I agree.
2: Emma, do you think
4: be your authentic self, feel it? Is that where you are?
2: Yeah, I definitely do. Um, You know, in terms of like speaking your truth, I think it's really hard to... Uh, to do that, especially in relationships, I think that 's where I struggle perhaps mm. to speak that 's my that 's like my next little you know I have my little personal challenges <laughs> but in relationships Area to for sp- personal development yeah to speak my truth a bit more i 've always i 've always struggled to do that as openly as perhaps I would amongst friends maybe. So yes, I definitely think that I think and also it just makes you feel better. Like when you actually just express how you're feeling, you just let let that sort of I don't know, there's always like a release, isn't there? Like otherwise it stays in your head and goes round and round and round then becomes this massive big deal and normally comes out with some kind of like over emotional explosion. It's a lot easier to just speak your truth at the moment and just diffuse.
5: And I I think going back to the pay um, conversation we were having uh, you know I, I agree there are there are there are politics at play when you're asking for a pay rise but I'm going to challenge all of the women that are out there that know a man is getting paid more than them go into work on Monday and just go for it go for it go for it not just for yourself but for other women mm. just putting it out there just put, I hate is looking at me like we've already told them we've the thing that they're supposed that. to do <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying feel it do it go for it we've got your back oh,
4: interesting. Monroe we got your
5: back too mm.
4: I agree so I do think there's something what I like about feel it is if you feel it and you want to say it I think that's really important to be mm. able to say it I think there's an interesting lesson particularly for women which is just so frustrating that when we do say it we then have to deal with all the consequences that mm. come with it but for me feel it is really about feel the feeling because we're so often we're taught to if something feels difficult or angry making or upsetting or annoying or unfixable we're just taught to ignore it and i think it's really important that actually we say do you know what right now i feel really angry about this i feel really upset about this because those are all valid feelings and we should be able to express them without feeling like we have to hold them in Uh, so that is our show for this week but as ever do you want to keep in touch with us because we love that so you can come find us on Twitter at Badass Women's Hour HR at Badass Women's Hour or Facebook, Instagram, all the socials or you can talk to us individually I'm at Harriet Minter Nat at Nat D. Campbell Emma at Emma Sexton Uh, and of course we'll be here again next week same time, same place here on Talk Radio
1: Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter Natalie
0: Campbell Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/slash style for
1: free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultrasoft Tissues And Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking.